We think women need to talk more openly about money because money really matters. It shouldn't be embarrassing or confusing. Join the conversation. We'll be discussing a whole range of topics which will help you get comfortable with your finances. Money Matters, brought to you by AJ Bell. Hi, welcome to the slightly new look Money Matters podcast. So we are the same team, we're the same people behind the great content, and we're still going to be talking about how to get more women interested in their finances, talking about their finances, and getting into investing. But the podcast is going to have a slightly new look. We're going to have some jazzy new features for you, including me opening up my confessional for everyone to confess their deepest, darkest money secrets. Uh, joining me as ever is Danny Hewson. Hi, Danny. Hello, Laura. Yeah, I always feel slightly in awe of your spreadsheets, it has to be said. So I, I, I do feel a little bit sometimes like you are my confessor. I am telling you some of my financial sins because you, you're to be, you're a grown up. <laughs> and just forget about all those people that are listening and just tell me all of your financial secrets. <laughs> well, we'll get to that another week. And I, I know on um, previous episodes, I, I, I've certainly bared my soul on a couple of occasions. But as you say, um, this Money Matters podcast is going to be a little bit different going forward. So uh, one of the things that we're going to do every week is we're going to start tackling a subject which is in the news or is of particular importance to your financial situation at the moment. And then we're going to talk to a guest on a particular topic. So this week, our guest is Heidi Ondrak, who has become something of an Instagram sensation. You might know her as the Duchess of Thrift. And I know that you've been getting tips on slashing the cost of Christmas because this year, I don't know about you, Laura, but I am really worried about budgeting for Christmas. Just looking at the cost of things like a turkey, which, you know, I've had a couple of those flash magazines from various supermarkets where you think, oh, that looks like a fantastic Christmas meal. And that is not going on my table. <laughs> I know what you mean. I think this year everyone's so worried about rising costs and then to add something that can becomes so big and expensive like Christmas on top of that it feels like everyone's looking for ways to cut those costs and to stop it kind of spiraling where it might have previous years but Heidi has got some great tips that we'll delve into later some really useful stuff that people can use this Christmas. So before we talk to Heidi um, as I said we're, we're going to tackle uh, a big subject we're going to try and give you some insight into what is going on, some sort of ideas of the sort of grey areas between the lines on the newspapers that you're reading about. And of course, a huge topic at the moment, something so many people are talking about are interest rates and mortgages. Look, we know that they are going up, they've been going up, they're going to go up more. So we thought we'd just explain a little bit about what that means for you, how that affects your mortgage, and what's the difference between that Bank of England base rate and those gilt yields that we've been hearing so much about. So I thought I'd start just by explaining how banks sort of set those fixed rate interest um, that you get when you're trying to, to remortgage. We've, of course, been at um, ridiculously low levels, historic low levels for a number of years. And to be honest with you, since 2008, I think we've all got accustomed to 
going and remortgaging or getting a mortgage and, and finding those interest rates really low. Before that, it wasn't the case. And over the next couple of years or so, I, I think it's something that people are going to have to get used to. But basically, we've been talking about bond yields because of that mini budget, which happened and the fact that yields were going up, they went up quite substantially, they usually go up very slowly or down very slowly. But that affects fixed rates because um, you've got um, swap rates. Now, swap rates are the rates that mortgage lenders pay to financial institutions to acquire that fixed rate. So it's kind of their sort of insurance policy, as it will. They, they sort of buy the amount that they're going to lend to you for a set period of time. And Banks aren't just doing it out of their goodness of the heart. So they need to make money so that the way that they do it is they see how much they're being asked to, to pay to borrow the money at that fixed rate. And then they take off the charges that they need to cover the cost of, you know, the bank sites, the business, the tech, the people. And then they want to make a little bit of money off the top of that. So that's why those things go up and down. Then you've got the Bank of England base rate. And I think until recently, most people just thought that mortgage rates were only affected by the Bank of England base rate. It just wasn't discussed very often. Now, the Bank of England base rate is guides the standard variable rate. So if you don't have a fixed rate or a particular mortgage product or that comes to an end, you drop back onto the standard variable rate. And that is guided by the Bank of England's base rate. So if it goes up or down, you usually find that altering. And that is the thing that then sets things like tracker mortgages, discount mortgages. And also, I'm afraid to say, does also have something of a bearing on fixed rates. And that is why Laura people are talking about it so much at the moment, because it's not just numbers, it's not just headlines, it affects people. Exactly. And I think anyone trying to get a mortgage at the moment will have really been at the brutal end of this, where they would have seen maybe if their previous mortgage offer had expired and they'd had to reapply at much higher rates, they'll have seen the impact that that's going to have on their monthly repayments. And I think the frustrating thing for lots of people is, um, particularly if you're coming to remortgage, you're paying lots more each month, but you're not getting an extra you know, wing to your home or an extra bedroom. You're paying a lot more for the same house at the end of the day. Um, but I've been crunching some numbers to kind of give people a bit of an idea about what interest rate hikes actually translate into, depending on the size of your mortgage, because lots of people will still be on a fixed rate deal at the moment. Um, there'll be probably very aware of when that fixed rate deal is going to end. And I think it's kind of useful to have a bit of an inkling of how much your costs might increase by at that point. Um, so if we think about someone with a £250,000 mortgage, um, a half a percentage point rise, um, so if base rates or mortgage rates went up by half a percent, that means an extra £66 a month, which works out about £800 a year. Um, obviously, the higher you're borrowing, the higher that increase. So if you've got £400,000 worth of borrowing, so people with bigger family homes or buying in more expensive areas, um, that same half a percentage point rise translates to a, just over £100 a month or £1,300 a year. But that that there we're talking about kind of a small increase. What I think lots of people who are on fixed rates at the moment are going to see is 
a really chunky increase. So they might have secured mortgage rates when they were at rock bottom, about 1%. Now what we're looking at is those people might be coming to refix and get a new deal paying maybe 6% or even higher. So if we look at that cost increase, so going from 1% interest rate on your mortgage to 6%, um, on £250,000 worth of borrowing, that's going to cost you almost £10,000 a year more in your mortgage rate. And at £400,000 worth of borrowing, it's almost £16,000 a year more. Now, obviously, we're going to talk through some ways that you can help tackle that. But I think that really helps to frame the cost increases that some people may see um, when they come to refix on their deals. That is huge. I mean, this is not just, you know, an extra 30 or 40 quid that you can just about deal with, that you can, you know, absorb into your household budget. These are big sums. Yeah, exactly. And for some people, that will be too much. Now, obviously, when you get a mortgage, you're you're stress tested, which um, doesn't sound very friendly. Um, I'm probably isn't very friendly. But essentially, the mortgage company says, okay, if interest rates rise to this amount, could you still afford your mortgage? And that's one of the kind of prerequisites before they'll offer you a mortgage deal. So lots of people might have been stress tested up to rates of kind of 6%, maybe. Um, However, people's financial situations could have changed in that time. And also, there's a big difference between being able to afford that extra cost increase and being able to afford it with significant lifestyle impact. And even if your financial situation hasn't changed, let's be honest, just generally, our budgets have changed because everything else has gone up and we weren't expecting it. So two years ago, maybe when someone took out a mortgage, they thought, okay, well, if interest rates go up, yeah, I can afford that. I can afford an extra couple of hundred pounds a month. But now they've got extra money that they're having to pay on their gas and electric bill. You're going to the supermarket and you're almost swallowing your tongue when you get to the checkout because you just think, how on earth is something which used to cost me 100 quid now costing me 150 quid for the same basket of stuff? This is not easy for people to deal with. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think um, I think it's best for people to get prepared for this and to kind of know what their options are, know when their fixed rate deals going to come up. And the question I'm asked most at the moment by friends is, you know, my fixed rate deal is up in X point. What's going to happen to interest rates in that time? The reality is no one knows. Like you, you can't get your crystal ball out and accurately predict what's going to happen, particularly with global economic stuff changing so regularly, our UK politics changing so regularly. <laughs> it's really hard to, to bank on it. So I think... Um, it's kind of impossible to predict, but that doesn't mean that you can't get prepared for it and you can't kind of work out some ways that you could maybe try and um, cut those costs. So for anyone who is looking down the barrel of much higher mortgage rates, there are a few things that you can do. So the first is the six-month rule. So six months ahead of when your fixed rate deal is coming up, you should start looking around for mortgage deals because you can lock in a mortgage deal for six months. And what that means is if mortgage rates rise during that time, you'll have locked in a great rate. But most of the time, there's no penalty if you then pull out of it. So if in that six months, um, mortgage rates fall, you can pull out of that previous deal and lock in at a much cheaper rate. The second thing that you can think about doing is extending the term of your mortgage. Generally, people have a kind of 20, 25 year term on your mortgage that can go all the way out to 35 or even 40 years. This is going to cost you a lot more 
in the long run over the entire term of the mortgage. But the longer the term of your mortgage, the smaller your monthly repayments are. So it could be an option if you think you're going to really struggle with monthly repayments. The third option is maybe not suitable for everyone, but it could be doing something like switching to an interest-only mortgage. Um, This significantly reduces your repayments because you're just paying the interest on the mortgage. You're not ever repaying that bit of that whole loan um, that you borrowed. However, it could be a good kind of interim thing to do to get you through a short period and then go back on to a normal repayment mortgage. I've got lots of friends that um, went down the interest-only mortgage um, very early on. They just decided that they would be able to get more house for their money that way. But they made a decision very early on that they were going to do that while they had their family. And then as soon as their family left, they would downsize. So then you know, they still had 10 years of a mortgage left to pay, but then they were able to do a repayment mortgage, which meant at the end of it, they they didn't have rent to pay. And I know a lot of people do worry about that. Um, I think another thing that I'm getting asked about all the time now is if we are looking at remortgaging and we want the lowest possible rate, what should we do? Should we maybe stay on a tracker, you know, because the base rate might be lower. In fact, it is lower than a lot of the um, mortgage um, rates that are out there available for people at the moment, but there's no guarantee where it's going to go. And um, we use a, a whole load of facts and figures and the crystal ball that we use is sort of market probability, market expectation of where interest rates are going to go. And I've just had a look and the expectation now is that the Bank of England base rate will sort of peak just under 5% in May, whereas before we were talking about 6%. And of course, a lot of people are saying, yes, but, you know, we're still talking over 6% for a fixed rate. So it's it's incredibly hard. And what people don't want to do is get stuck the way I was stuck back in 2008, where you've taken out a new fix for two years And then the Bank of England's rate falls and suddenly you're still paying for two years at the rate that you fixed when actually you could get a much better deal. Yeah, there's so much kind of guesswork involved in it, but high stakes guesswork because it's a lot of money and it's obviously the biggest expense for most families is their their mortgage. I think it's a situation where it's really good to speak to a mortgage broker um, if you can. And there's some out there that are fee free. There's others that will charge fees, kind of shop around, ask for a friend recommends. And they'll be able to help model a lot of this for you and say, okay, if you get this two-year fix, it'll cost you this amount or this five-year fix. And um, they'll be able to help you weigh up all of those financial decisions because it's some pretty tricky financial sums involved in all of this as well. And I think my top tip for anyone who's worried about um, that remortgage date coming up and their costs being much higher, if you've got spare money at the moment, then overpaying on your mortgage could be a really good option. So even if you find that you've got kind of £50 or £100 spare each month, um, most mortgage companies will let you overpay by up to 10% of the outstanding mortgage amount each year. Um, And so it's worth looking at whether maybe that's an option if it helps allay some of your fears about uh, those big cost rises in future. Yeah, really tricky choices for people. But I think we've got so used to having crazy low interest rates. I mean, as I say, we, we weren't where we are now um 
until 2008. We've got to go all the way back to 2008 to get to where we are right now. And the expectation is, as I say, that rates are going to continue to rise and stay higher than we've been used to for, for quite a while. That sort of era of ultra low interest rates does feel like it has come to an end. And it's it's going to change things for a lot of people. And you, you've also got to think, I was to sort of taking a look back at house prices and the difference between house prices in 2008 and house prices now, it just means that even though people will say, yeah, but I remember when mortgage rates were so much higher, but house prices are so much higher. And suddenly to find that y- you can't afford the house that was the house of your dreams, the house that you wanted to live in, the house that you thought was your forever home is just absolutely soul destroying. And it's so hard to budget at the moment. So that takes us beautifully, Danny, into budgeting for that big event that is looming, which is Christmas. I can't believe we're in November already. Lots of people will already be looking ahead to Christmas, to the big financial cost that comes with it, as well as obviously all the niceness and family and joy. Um, But lots of people, I think, will be working out how to have a bit more of a budget Christmas this year and areas where they can save money. Niceness of family and joy. Laura, you don't have two teenage girls so I can tell you that along with the niceness of family and joy comes angst and door slamming and yeah huge amounts of pressure to to buy the gifts not just the gifts that they want but also they feel that they're judged on on what their friends are getting so there's a huge amount of pressure on them which then puts pressure on parents and and it's so hard to try and have conversations with your kids to say, look, I, I can't afford this. And it's easier now my children are 14 and 16 to have those discussions. We have spoken about budget and cost of living pressures. But when your kids are sort of eight, nine, it's you don't want to have discussions with them about money, but it's trying to sort of set their expectations and, and, you know, you've got all this to come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fortunately, my daughter is young enough that she's happy with the secondhand toys I buy her off Facebook Marketplace and the homemade items that my mum comes up with, which I think are cute, but I'm sure in a few years' time she will not. But you're going to love this next interview then, Danny. So Heidi Ondrak from Plymouth, she's decided to slash the cost of Christmas this year and she's been telling her 11,000 Instagram followers how she'll do it. Now, she's a mum of two as well with teenage kids and she also talks about how she's had those tricky conversations with her kids but also shares a lot of her tips and tricks for all of us to learn from. So Heidi, first of all, let's talk about your previous Christmases. How much were you typically spending on the whole big shebang? Um, well, on the children's Christmas presents, they probably get 500 to 700 pounds each. Then each family member would get between 50 and 100 pounds. Um, Christmas dinner, we'd eat out. We'd go and have our Christmas dinner out. So that's sort of, it depends what, what venue it was over the year, but that was quite a lot of money. So, yeah, it would run into a couple of grand for Christmas easily, if not more. What made you want to cut the cost of Christmas? Was there a particular thing that that sparks you saying, right, enough is enough. Um, What made you go on this kind of campaign to cut the cost of Christmas? Well, I'd started at the beginning of the year saying I was going to buy no new clothes this year, and I've stuck to that. Um, 
And then with the cost of living, we all started to feel the pinch around January with the fuel price prices going up and the food prices. Obviously, we've had two incremental rises in the energy costs. And actually, my energy bill went from £98 a month and they actually wanted £453 a month. So <laughs> that's a huge leap. Um both me and my partner work full time, but it's, you know, that's a squeeze on our disposable income. The food shopping used to be around £70 a week and now we're spending about £120 a week. So the cumulative effect of all of the price rises, the fuel as well, um, it's really, really squeezed our disposable income. So it, I just wanted to take a different approach this year because it's and actually it's wasteful. It's just wasteful to buy things. I've like I say, I gave a jacket away earlier that my daughter had in, in a previous year and I knew that she hadn't worn it. So I don't want to make those same mistakes. I'd rather buy things that the kids need as they go through the year rather than just feel compelled to put a big pile of rubbish under the tree. But, yeah, the cost of living is the main squeeze, I think, and the squeeze on our disposable income because there's not that much left anymore. Now. Um, it's all going on heating and so what are your plans for this year? What are your main ways of cutting that cost down? Um, well, we're definitely going to have Christmas dinner at home and we're going to pour resources. I don't live very close to my family and I'll see them after Christmas. But um, me and my friend are going to cook lunch together and bring our two families together so we can sort of pool our resources. And then the main way of saving money is on gifts. So I won't be buying gifts for any adult members of the family. And I'm asking for nothing in return because we don't need anything. We've got everything we need. We're grown ups with jobs. Nobody needs anything. Um, and then for the children, they've got quite a strict budget this year. Year, so they need to think really carefully about what they want in previous years I've been handed huge lists and tried to put myself under immense pressure to fulfill everything they wanted on their list and they'd open them they'd tear through the packaging throw them to one side um, and they'd be close and I'd never see my daughter wearing them and I've put them on the Olio app and they've gone been given away to a family for free and I swear she's never worn them so they really need to think about what they want and need and that's the difference they've got a really tight budget and so how have those conversations with your children got because I think quite a lot of parents feel the kind of like you say the weight of responsibility to buy their kids lots of presents and and would find it quite tricky to explain that to their kids why they're not getting that this year so how receptive have your kids been have there been tears and tantrums or have they been quite good about it they're teenagers and they've been quite good about it um We've now, I've only just succumbed to an, a smart meter for the energy and they can see how much energy you're using. So they're sort of, they're kind of invested in this whole money saving thing with things going up because they can see it. Um, they understand that everything's gone up in price. They understand that the way I would use, I'd used to go and shop and just throw things in the trolley that I'm now planning meals and budgeting. So they're sort of on board with it. My daughter, um, was not so keen when she saw the story in the in the newspaper about having lots of secondhand things. But I've said to her, you can have some new things, but you need to really think about what you need and what you want. Don't just write a list because it's the latest thing this week. Think about something that you're going to use again and again. So, yeah, not really tears and tantrums. Mine are teenagers and it's a bit easier. But if you've got smaller children, it's even easier with smaller children. Um, when they were little, that the toys... I would definitely give them secondhand toys when they were little because they don't know and they don't care. They just want something to play with. 
And I was talking to friends the other day and we were saying that kids actually, when they're really young, don't know what they're meant to get for Christmas. So if you go all out and you give them 50 gifts, then that kind of sets the precedent of what they think they're meant to get. But if right from the start, you only give them a handful of gifts, that's what their expectation is, at least until they're older and they kind of chat to friends at school. Yeah, and there's a pressure to, I mean, people post pictures of the night before Christmas already for the morning and there's mountains of things around a tree and on social media sort of people painting this image of a perfect Christmas well it's not really a perfect Christmas if mom's had to work three jobs she's got two grand on a credit card and she's stressed and worried about how she's going to get through January that's not really a perfect Christmas is it? So you've tackled the children, but what about getting friends and family on board? Because I find sometimes at Christmas you can have that awkward thing where you're seeing a friend and you think, have they got me a present? Do I need to get them a present? And it feels a bit awkward to maybe address it. So how are you dodging some of those awkward situations if you just had to be really upfront with people? Yeah, I did it. I, I actually did it with adults a few years back as well, because um, we were in lockdown and I knew I wouldn't get to see my close family who live in the Midlands. And I said, well, there's no point buying gifts to not, to not be able to catch up with each other or just to send them winging through the post. So let's not bother with gifts for each other. So we sort of sowed the seed for it back then. So it's a really easy conversation to have. And it's just like, I think framed around where we are economically now, it's a much easier conversation to have to say, do you know what? I'd rather you have your heating on for a week with wild abandon and just sit there all toasty than buy me a gift. You know, they're the conversations you can have and almost make light of it and say, do you know, it's a bit silly. We don't need anything, something practical. You put your heating on for a week or go and do a lovely big shop and do all the luxury things for yourself. Don't bother buying me a gift. Spend it on yourself. And, you know, I don't think that's an awkward conversation to have with another adult. I mean, if you did think you were going to get caught short and really embarrassed, you could always have a few things set to one side that you could share as gifts. And I found things because I love shopping at car boot sales and charity shops. I've got a beautiful um, Valentine cashmere scarf I picked up for two pounds. It's worth like 200 quid. So I've got that in my in the sort of back pocket. If I do feel obliged to give somebody a gift, I can give them one of my lovely thrifty gifts. And what about the other stuff around Christmas that ends up costing loads? I'm thinking about, you know, the drinks with friends or meals out before Christmas, the new outfit for the Christmas party or the New Year's Eve celebrations. How are you going about cutting the cost of those too? Well, things like clothes, so Christmas jumpers, twinkly dresses, high heels that you can only wear for half an hour, all of those would come from charity shops or car boot sales. Every single thing that I wear is thrifted. I don't buy any new clothes. So everything that you see that I'm wearing here today is secondhand. Everything that I post on social media, it's all pre-loved. So there's absolutely no need to go and buy new clothes. You can pick up a really... You can, most charity shops, you know, you can pick things for under a tenner. The ones that I go to are what I call the hyper-local charity shops, um, and they tend to be even cheaper. The ones in the leafy suburbs where people are, where there's higher levels of employment, people have got more disposable income, you get some amazing stuff. So definitely don't buy new. And then in terms of drinks and meals out, I'd rather spend my money on experiences. After the few years we've had in COVID, um, I'd ra rather than gifts and stuff, I think I'd rather spend money on a meal out. But even then, you can use things like the Meerkats app where you get two meals for the price of one. So you could do something like that. You could, you know, you can be really, really creative. You could find um, sort of 
restaurants that have voucher deals locally. So if you look on your, you know, your sort of local what's on pages, um, if you look through Facebook, there might be restaurants that have got voucher codes and two for one, as I say. So it's worth trying things like that and doing something a little bit different. Theatre tickets where you get two for one. So it's just like looking for offers where you can still go and have some value. I think having the valuable time is quite nice after what we've all been through. But yeah, look for bargains at the same time. So what are your three money saving tips for Christmas that are kind of easy to implement and, and can save a decent amount of money? I would say the first thing is stick to a budget. It's really, really easy. Um, if you go shopping to just see something and, and then just just carry on spending beyond a budget, but absolutely stick to a budget. Maybe get cash out, which is a really old-fashioned concept, isn't it, cash? But maybe use cash rather than your credit or debit cards because it's so easy. You, know, you haven't even got to put your PIN number in, have you? And it's so easy to spend and go above. So maybe if it's cash and you're limit, you know, you've only got that much with you and leave your cards at home so you can't go over. So really stick to a budget. Um and shopping online as well, it's really easy to just keep adding to the basket or get sucked into deals. So if it's, you know, it's three, for, you're only going to buy one thing, but it's three for two. So you end up buying an extra thing. So be really mindful of sitting on the sofa and shopping absentmindedly and, and sort of going for the deals because they just con you into spending more money. Definitely don't shop online after a glass of wine. It's, it's just your inhibitions are lowered and you think oh that's wonderful it's a bargain she would love that and yeah I definitely say don't shop online after a glass of wine and if you can buy things pre-loved because actually searching something down that somebody's always wanted and finding it in a charity shop even finding it on vintage or ebay so getting it cheaper than a full price item something that's vintage something that doesn't have to be an antique but you know people love new the mid-century type furniture or they might be looking for a particular style of necklace or a vintage dress get them something thoughtful that's a one-off because it'll be a lot cheaper than buying you and you've put so much effort into it and they'll remember you so you know if it's a one-off vintage dress somebody would remember that you brought that for them thank you so much for sharing all of that with us um, i really appreciate it it's been really interesting thank you lovely to meet you Laura, I'm going to be nabbing loads and loads of those tips, some really good advice from Heidi. Um, and do get more advice from her. Do check out her um, Instagram and her TikTok accounts for up-to-date advice. She goes by at Duchess of Thrift. Um, I, I know th these are the conversations that I'm having with a lot of my mum friends at the moment, just how people are going to cut costs this year and I, and I know we're incredibly lucky in that we're not thinking do you know what I can't put the oven on to cook a turkey and I know some people are in that situation but as much as you can cut wherever you can cut is is a really good thing and I know this year um in fact, the last couple of years, we've ditched the turkey in favour of a couple of chickens and we tend to buy them a couple of months ahead, stick them in the freezer and uh, and that way that we tend to save quite a bit of cash. Exactly. And I think um, some of Heidi's tips about, you know, not spending quite so much on individuals or having kind of a, a, a present ban among adults and instead just choosing to spend time with them or go and do something together, I think are really, really great tips. 
we've done that for a lot of years with my um, family. So we've always bought for the kids and the kids have then bought for my mum and um, my sister because she doesn't have any kids, but we then set a limit. So we'll buy each other a, a bottle of wine and, and that will be the gift between the adults, which just means that the cost of Christmas doesn't get out of control because it can happen so easily. Heidi also shared a great thing for our first ever Laura's confessional. So this is where we are opening up our confessional and people are declaring the financial mistakes they've made and being very honest about it um, so that other people can learn from their mistakes, but also learn that not everyone, even someone as thrifty as Heidi, isn't perfect and has made mistakes in the past. <laughs> yeah, I said we were doing things a bit differently this time, and I think this is going to rapidly become my favourite part of the podcast because, um, as I say, Laura scares me sometimes, and um, I, I know she scares uh, a number of our team as well because you are ruthlessly organised. You have amazing adaptable spreadsheets which um, I lust after which is quite a sad <laughs> thing to say really but Laura is in the house we are ready to hear Heidi's confession here we go and so what's been your biggest money mistake it's quite embarrassing to admit it but this is it was a lockdown um, money mistake and I remember sort of those early days in lockdown and you couldn't go anywhere or do anything and I started watching sort of influencer, influencers online who had clearly got a lot of money and they were sort of styling clothes and doing huge Zara hauls and shop ups and buying stuff and I'd never really shopped at Zara before and I just started thinking oh that's nice oh I'd like that and I started buying stuff online forgetting I wasn't a millionaire like this influencer and I racked up about five grand on my credit card trying to fix my feelings shopping so I can be quite an emotional shopper and I think a lot of women are um, and if you're feeling you know oh I deserve that oh, I deserve a payday treat or it's been a really tough week I think I'll treat myself and it's those little sort of emotional cues to shop and Covid exacerbated that and I ended up just spending so much money on stuff that wasn't even my style. So that was one of my big money making mistakes. Luckily, um, I found some selling groups on Facebook and managed to sell most of them for what I'd bought them for. So it didn't end up being such a huge mistake in the end. But it's that emotional shopping. Um, and I'm sure I'm not the only woman that can be found guilty of that. <laughs> A hundred percent. You're not all the only person to be affected by an Instagram influencer where you think, oh, that looks great. And then it arrives in the post and you think, I don't need this. And there's also, like you say, isn't my style and doesn't look good on me. And why have I bought this? I was trying to shop like a millionaire. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. <laughs> I'm clearly not. Laura, that is such a lot of cash. And it's just so brave of Heidi to admit that because I think we've all been sucked in and we've all used credit cards where we maybe shouldn't have used credit cards. <laughs> I'll save that for another day, but it's easy done. It is. And I think particularly in lockdown, it was a very weird time when we were all kind of had our screen time reports shot up massively and everyone was kind of living through Instagram and other social media. So it was so easy to be influenced by these people. And and I even find myself a lot, I have to kind of unfollow people sometimes because I think 
you come away from it thinking, oh, I need all of these beauty products that they've got or all of these (laughs) brand new clothes that they've got rather than wearing this old dress that I've had for 10 years. Um, But actually, I think you take a step back from it and you think that's not really real life, but it's so easy to get sucked into it. Mine at the moment is a silk pillowcase. I'm being absolutely (laughs) deluged with ads for silk pillowcases. And I keep thinking, oh, yeah, that's a really good idea. And then I look at the price tag and, yeah. (laughs) I think they have some mad claims, like they make you look 10 years younger and make your hair perfect. And I think if that were true, then we would have heard about them before now. But, I mean, don't come at me, silk pillowcase. (laughs) I don't have any evidence to back that up. (laughs) See, this is why you're keeping me on the straight and narrow already. I'm going to take it out of my shopping box and I'm not not going to buy a silk pillowcase. Um, Look, as I said earlier, we're going to make uh, this Laura's confessional something of a feature of our Money Matters podcast. We we want this podcast to be something that you can really get involved with and engaged with. Um, We hope it also helps you out a little bit, really get to grips with your finances. But... If you do have a financial confession for Laura, we're going to be asking members of our team, we're going to be asking some of our other uh, interviewees, our guests on the pod, um, and and I might also share some of my um, financial woes over the next few months. But do get in touch. Email us, moneymatters at ajbell.co.uk. You can message us on Instagram at ajbellmoneymatters. And you can also submit those anonymously if you want to submit your confession, but you're not quite ready to have your name attached to it. Understand that. No judgment here. You can say that you want to be anonymous. Um, but do take a look at our Money Matters page for loads of great articles, which will help you get a firmer grip on your finances. Lots of things from how to have a financially successful divorce to how to beat the cost of childcare. Um, a huge variety of topics on there. So do check that out if you just search for AJ Bell Money Matters, it will come up. And you can also sign up to our newsletter there so you get all of these articles and podcasts dropped into your inbox each month. Thank you so much for listening and um, we'll be back with our next episode in a couple of weeks. We will see you then. Before you go, please remember this podcast is for educational purposes and the views expressed don't necessarily reflect those of AJ Bell. The podcast isn't telling you whether certain investments are suitable or not. And don't forget that the value of investments can change and you can lose money as well as make it. It's also important to remember that tax rules apply and that the way an investment performed in the past may not be the same as how it behaves in the future. If you want help, go see a qualified financial advisor.